Welcome to High Cheese. It's Friday, May 19th, 2023. And I got to tell you, I can't say that I didn't see this coming. And I'm talking about the whistleblower hearings this week on the FBI. And as some of my listeners will know, is that I had a, an old friend that is a former FBI agent. And he had quit the Bureau 20, 25 years ago, maybe longer. Because he saw it happening back then. He saw the politicization of the Bureau. And he, here's a guy that, extremely brilliant guy, army vet, lawyer, but just had enough of it. And he saw it back then. He goes, this is not what I joined the FBI for. And he essentially told them to pound sand. He goes, I'm out of here. So it started happening 25, 30 years ago, at least. And then it expanded right after 9-11, when the FBI became an intelligence agency. And as a result of 9-11, they just expanded their intelligence. And they've used that expansion of intelligence to expand their power in Washington. Now, the FBI always had power in Washington, but it went into hyperdrive. And political hacks flocked to the FBI because this is where they can get their own power. And, and this is the entire problem with Washington. This is the entire problem with big business. It's all about the power. It's all about gaining power. You've got individuals out there saying, I'm going to do anything to get power. And they all flock to Washington because that's where the power base had shifted. For years, it was in the financial markets, Wall Street. Prior to that, it was possibly the auto industry. But now it's become Washington. This is where you can get your power. You graduate college, those who are in love with power, go to Washington. See what you can do. Because you had a merger of politics and the bureaucracy going on in Washington. So it was an open door that people that wanted to take power. And they came in and they manned the bureaucracy and the FBI. And all they wanted to do was curry favor with the politicians. While at the same time slamming the politicians that did not pursue their own bureaucratic agenda. Remember what Chuck Schumer said, six ways until Sunday that the intelligence agency will get you. And Schumer was around there for a long time and he knows. But it's gotten to the point where now people are pushing back. People got fed up. They elected Donald Trump. You have MAGA. And I I find it quite ironic that now the Democrats are protecting the intelligence agencies, big business, the merger of big business with intelligence agencies, with politics. If you look back 25 years ago, it was the Democrats were against all that. We got di- different people, different motivations in the politics today. Again, as I said, it's all about the power. And it's not even necessarily about the money. You know, you've got you know, billionaires out there. And the reason they're billionaires is they want power. And that's the way they get it. Get other people. They want the power. They know if they go to Washington, they don't have to become billionaires to gain power. Although some of them go in (laughs) relatively normal as far as their financial position and leave there extremely wealthy. But you can be a non-billionaire, go to Washington and gain power. And this is where we are today. So let me talk a little bit about the whistleblower uh, hearings that came out this week. Because 
these are four patriots that were fed up. And they were fired from their jobs because they questioned the FBI's response to J6. They questioned the FBI policy on going after parents at Board of Education meetings and Christians that were anti-abortion. And that's all they did. They just you know, questioned the power. Are we doing the right thing here? And the power and the force of the FBI came down on them, crushed them individually, just like the communists do, just like anybody at the Politburo questioned what they were doing. The power of the Soviets came down on them, just like the FBI came down on these whistleblowers this week. So with that said, I want to go to a, a clip, and it's the opening statement of one of the whistleblowers, Garrett O'Boyle, and he's just outlining what he went through what he believes in, and what the FBI has become. So let's go to the clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. Thank you for addressing FBI malfeasance and allowing me to speak today. Aside from that point of gratitude, I'm sad, I'm disappointed, and I'm angry that I have to be here to testify about the weaponization of the FBI and DOJ. Weaponization against not only its own employees, but against those institutions and individuals that are supposed to protect the American people. I am here today because even though I am wrongfully suspended from the FBI, I remain duty-bound to the American people to play my small role in rectifying these issues. After all, I never swore an oath to the FBI. I swore an oath to the Constitution. I couldn't knowingly continue on this path silently without speaking out against the weaponization I witnessed, even if it meant losing my job, my career, my livelihood, my family's home, and now, my anonymity. It's up to members of this committee current and former FBI employees, and indeed all Americans, to ensure that the weaponization of our own government against the people comes to an end, no matter the personal cost. As James Madison prudently opined, in framing a government which is to be administered by men over men, the great difficulty lies in this. You must first enable the government to control the governed, and the next place, oblige it to control itself. The safeguards currently in place at the FBI are clearly inadequate and must be reworked to protect whistleblowers and others who are inappropriately targeted. The FBI can extract whatever they want from me. I'm willing to bear that burden. I've sworn to defend this country from enemies, both foreign and domestic, even if that means sacrificing my life. I've lived that oath out since first enlisting in the Army, consistently saying, here am I, send me. My oath, however, did not include sacrificing the hopes, dreams, and livelihood of my family. My strong, beautiful, and courageous wife, and our four sweet and beautiful daughters who have endured this process along with me. In weaponized fashion, the FBI allowed me to accept orders to a new position halfway across the country. They allowed us to sell my family's home. They ordered me to report to the new unit when our youngest daughter was two weeks old. Then, on my first day on the new assignment, they suspended me, rendering my family homeless. They refused to release our goods, including our clothes, for weeks. <clears throat> All I wanted to do was serve my country by stopping bad guys and protecting the innocent. To my chagrin, bad guys have begun running parts of the government, making it difficult to continue to serve this nation and protect the innocent. But I, for one, will never stop trying, and I'll never forget my oath. Thank you. And all of this because he simply questioned certain policy. But this is what happens when you've got a bureaucracy that is weak. They know that their days are numbered. They've expanded extraordinary over the past 30, 40 years. They have too much power, but that power is based on weakness, and it's the weakness of the American people. But now the people are powerful. They realize. They're now aware 
of what's been going on in Washington over the past 30, 40 years. And now the people are pushing back. And these institutions, without the people's support, are weak. And they have to crack down on the dissidents, the people with a, a mindset that's different, that doesn't follow the orthodoxy of the bureaucracy. And this is what they do to these people. The Democrats, the deep state, the bureaucracy, they control things right now. That's going to change. They sense it. And that's why they have to crack down on any FBI agent that fo doesn't follow orthodoxy. Because A, it's become a religion for them, which is sad. And their God is power. So with that said, I want to go to another clip. And at the beginning of the hearing, it was quite funny to take a look at the chaos that all the Democrats on the committee were trying to create. They were interrupting each other. They were interrupting uh, Jordan. They were calling the whistleblowers. Oh, you're really not whistleblowers. You're not a whistleblower. These are the same people that called Matt Taibbi. Oh, you're not a journalist. Remember during the Twitter file hearings on the weaponization of government where the FBI and the intelligence agencies colluded with Twitter to suppress certain free speech? Well, the Democrats were out there calling Matt Taibbi a bona fide journalist. Oh, you're not a real journalist. And I'm defending Matt Taibbi. You know, he's, he's a, quote, liberal. But he's not a crazy liberal. He's not a communist. But you will go against our orthodoxy. You're not a journalist, Matt Taibbi. And this is the, what they were doing too. The whistleblowers. And that's all they can do. The Democrats are just real good at just creating chaos. These people are just good at creating chaos. And that's what they're in the process of doing right now. We've got chaos in the world. We've got chaos with our economy. We've got chaos with inflation. We've got chaos at the border. That's all they can do. Because to them, that's the world that they can live in. That's the world that they can prosper in. That's where evil prospers. But then I bribe people. With that said, I want to go to a clip. It's with Representative Linda Sanchez from California, Democrat. She's trying to disparage one of the whistleblowers, Marcus Allen. So let's go to this clip. She tries to disparage Marcus Allen, but she winds up making a fool of herself. So let's go to this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Mr. Allen, have you ever used Twitter? Yes or no? I have utilized Twitter, yes. Okay, and is your account at Marcus A9705064? That is absolutely not my account. Okay, that's not your account. Well, on December 5th, 2022, an account under the name Marcus Allen retweeted a tweet that said, That is not my account, ma'am. You haven't let me finish the question, might sir. Have been the football player. You haven't let me finish the question. On December, and the time is mine. On December 5th, 2022, an account under the name of Marcus Allen retweeted a tweet that said, quote, Nancy Pelosi staged January 6th. Retweet if you agree, end quote. Do you agree with that statement? Yes or no? That that is I don't. No, ma'am. That's not my account at all. I have I'm no asking idea. whether you agree with that statement, yes or no. Can you please rephrase the statement? Yeah. Do you think I'm the that lady has expired. staged January 6th? I just want him to answer he'll answer. He'll answer. Yeah, he'll answer. I'm just telling you your time's up. Do you believe that Nancy Pelosi, do you agree with the statement that this person tweeted that Nancy Pelosi staged January 6th? Yes I, or I no? No. Thank you. And how shameless are these people? They're so shameless, they ignore the fact that they're making a fool out of themselves. So I'm just going to read the uh, tweet anyway, even though it's not you. It's like Adam Schiff. 
even after the dorm report, and I'll get into the dorm report in a little bit, but even after the dorm report came out, Schiff is still out there. Oh, you know, no, there's still evidence that Trump colluded. Here is their angle. These shameless Democrats are just looking for the soundbite. So they're going to show the soundbite of this congresswoman reading the question, even though that it has nothing to do with Marcus Allen. So they're voting to come out and say, oh, yeah, you're doing a great job. But again, they're just being exposed as being foolish. And on a side note, Representative Anna Polina Luna filed a resolution today to expel Adam Schiff from Congress. So this resolution was filed. And again, it's up to McCarthy to present it for a vote. But Luna filed a resolution to expel Schiff from Congress. And it's all about Schiff's lies during the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. So we shall see on this one. Again, it's up to McCarthy if he wants to put that resolution up for a vote. So we shall see on this. Could be interesting. But I just want to turn to another topic from this hearing. And it has to do with the merger of big business with big government. And let's go to a clip. And this one is from uh, Representative Massey. And they're talking about how Bank of America offered their services to the FBI to give them information on every transaction that took place with the Bank of America credit card in the Washington area before and on January 6th. And additionally, it gave them information on everyone that purchased a gun, every American that purchased a gun with a Bank of America credit card or debit card. So let's go to this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. And I'm noticing a, a disturbing trend here. Big business is working with the government to weaponize against the American people. And, uh, you know, the, the government says, well, this is okay because we're not violating the Constitution. The, the, the big business is doing this uh, voluntarily, and we saw this with the social media companies. But I want to play a testimony from a whistleblower who's not here with us today. If you could cue that up about how we've seen in this instance one of the biggest corporations in America working with the FBI to violate civil liberties. The Bank of America data mined of any BOA who used a BOA product, and by BOA product, a debit card. They compiled that list, and then on top of that list, they put anyone who had purchased a firearm during any day. I find that testimony chilling. That was the retired FBI supervisory intelligence analyst, George Hill, who gave us that testimony. And what he said there is the Bank of America compiled a list of everybody who used a credit card or a debit card between January 5th and January 7th inside of Washington, D.C., and gave that to the FBI. But before they did, they looked at anybody who had ever purchased a firearm, according to their records, and elevated those people to the top of the list. And they didn't geofence it to Washington, D.C. You could have, as Mr. Hill testified, you could have bought a gun in 1999 in Iowa with a Bank of America card. And then you got heightened attention and then it was given to the FBI. Now, whether the FBI asked for this or whether they did this voluntarily is very chilling because Bank of America, you know, they've got a lot of issues in front of the government. And this is where you get into this unhealthy feedback loop. Bank of America spent a quarter million dollars lobbying us 
on the American Rescue Plan, issues related to Paycheck Protection Program, general issues related to data security, and general issues related to interchange, and general issues related to privacy. The irony of it. Bank of America is violating your privacy, working hand in glove with the FBI. Now, they'll, the FBI will say, we didn't ask for this. They just gave it to us. It doesn't matter. It's a violation when you get to this level of cooperation. And how ironic it is. Here you have the Bank of America lobbying Congress to change certain laws about privacy protection while they're turning around and handing your information over to the FBI to use against you. Now, this can be corrected. This can be corrected with legislation. You've got to clip the wings of the FBI, and you've got to add regulations to what these big banks can do with the information that they have on you. Simple as that. That can be corrected, but they just have to follow through. And I, and I think that Congress has the heart right now, at least the, the House has the heart right now, to, to do something about this. And if you get the right president, Trump, in office in 2024, you can fix this. So we shall see. One last thing I want to address before we move on is that the FBI was offering bounties to its agents partially based on how many cases they opened up. Think about that. So you're giving FBI agents an incentive to open up cases and they benefit monetarily when they can open up a case on someone. Now, do you think under this a politicized bureau that the American people are not going to suffer under this? Now, I'm kind of up in the air whether you give bonuses to people that work in government. It can be a, be a benefit in certain scenarios. But in highly politicized environments, bonuses do not work. And this is one of the cases where bonuses for government employees do not work. Now, I've seen cases where bonuses for government employees do work, and increases productivity, but in the highly politicized environment of the FBI, and when you're talking about law enforcement, there's no benefit to giving bonuses to FBI agents based on how many cases they open up. So we shall see. Okay, let's talk a few minutes about the Durham report that was released this week. And although disappointing, we would have liked to see a number of people indicted and ultimately convicted, but Durham did not provide that. What he did provide us with, a number of conclusions. One is he found that there was no evidence behind the investigation of Donald Trump. No evidence. And this is what we've got from our Department of Justice, our FBI, and our deep state. They pursued a sitting president and his ties to Russia, an adversary, based on nothing. No evidence. The other takeaway is that the people that were involved were biased. Surprise, surprise. They were biased. Now, I don't think Durham came out and said they were politically biased, but he said they were biased. They let their own biases interfere with their ability to do their job. Now, is that what you want from the Department of Justice or FBI? And we knew this all along. And Durham confirms this. Now, the other thing that I think we can take away from this thing is that early on, Barack Obama, Joe Biden were briefed on the Hillary Clinton campaign, creating a story about Donald Trump's relationship with Russia. And the reason that they created this story was to take away the microscope from 
Hillary's own problem with emails. Remember the email problem she had with the server? Well, in order to take the spotlight off of that, they created a story about Donald Trump. And Obama and Joe Biden were briefed on this. And they knew about it all along. And which sidetracks me. I want to know, how did, how did Trump find out so early in this that Obama knew about this? How did he, I, I, if there's any question I ever wanted to ask him, how did you find out? How did you know so early on in your presidency that Obama knew about this? Remember he came out with a tweet, Obama spied on me. And remember the press went apoplectic. Oh, you know, that's spying, spying. That wasn't spying. Uh, you know, remember they were trying spitting hair, splitting hairs between spying and surveillance. But that's my only question I would have for Trump. How did he learn so early in his presidency that Obama was spying on him? And essentially, it does confirm everything that we already know. And again, we would have liked to see more indictments, more convictions, but we didn't get it. But this is what we got. And you've got the mass media and the Democrats out there. You say, see, see, no laws were broken. And this is the problem with the deep state. Because ethics, doing the right thing, only has to do whether something is illegal or not. And there are many things out there that are unethical, that are legal. And that's why the deep state, and that's why Washington is corrupt. Because as long as it's legal, you can do it. And think about it. Think about it in your own lives about ethics. How many things that you do or people do that are unethical aren't illegal, but they're unethical? Do we really want Washington to be like that? Do we really want people in positions of power that look at ethics as only things that are legal? I can think of a lot of things that are unethical, but legal. And I'm sure you can too. And this, this is the story that the Democrats are putting out there in the mass media. Oh, everything, see, everything was legal. Doesn't make it right. And this is what we're fighting. Because unethical behavior is corrupt behavior. They try to equate legality with corruption. No, you can have a corrupt government and they do things according to the law. It's the gray areas that make government corrupt or not. In our Department of Justice, our FBI, they were corrupt and they continue to be corrupt. So where do we go from here? I think we take what Durham gave us and we run with it. I think there's a lot of independent voters out there that are reading this and saying, well, yeah, wow, they get the joke. And this is what has to be pushed out there. It has to be stressed. And Donald Trump's doing a good job. Totally exonerated by this report. Totally exonerated. So don't listen to the mass media. Don't listen to the Democrats. Yeah, everything was legal. It was corrupt. And tell them that. So we shall see. All right. Now let's talk a little bit about the debt ceiling. And today the Republican negotiators walked away from the table saying that the Democrats were being unreasonable in their negotiations to increase the debt ceiling. Now, I guess it was two, three weeks ago that the Republicans had passed a bill to increase the debt limit, but the Biden administration had to cut back in about $4.5 trillion, among other things. They also wanted people on welfare to work or increase their working, or the expectation of work for somebody on welfare would be there at the very least. So the Republicans walked away and now you're going to hear the mass media out there. And I've already said that they're already trying to equate defaulting on government debt with the government not paying its other bills. So you already had Janice Yellen out there saying that, well, I consider 
us not paying the, a consultant on time, the equivalent of the United States not paying off its bonds. And, and that's totally absurd. Now, it yells out there saying that, oh, the clock is ticking. June 1st is the drop dead date. And everybody's trying to say that as of June 1st, we will not be able to pay our bonds to our bondholders. And it's just not true. Now, the and the only way that we don't pay our bonds off is that if Janice Yellen makes a deliberate or explicit decision not to pay those bonds. Because there's plenty of cash that are coming, coming in to our coffers that allow us to pay off our bonds. Now, if this thing drags on, the federal government may have to lay off some people, furlough some people, cut back on programs. I mentioned this before. Maybe not give foreign aid to all these countries that hate us. But this whole end of the world scenario that's being presented by the mainstream media and these talking heads on CNBC and Bloomberg just isn't real. So this negotiation could drag on for months and months and months without the debt ceiling being increased, without having an impact on our ability to pay off our debt, our bonds and notes. So don't get scared by what you see. It's all a fake story. It's all a narrative. It's a story that they're creating, and it's just not true. Now, Janice Yellen's going to have to work a little harder. I'm not sure if she's ever been asked to work hard, but she's going to have to figure out if things this thing drags on for months, who to furlough, what departments to furlough. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because we all love to see the federal government shrink. And those on Social Security, don't worry. You're going to get your checks. They're going to be out there saying, oh, my God, if we have to furlough two or three people in the Social Security Department, that means you may not be able to get your checks. Don't believe it. It's all phony. It's all fake. And I, I want to make a point, too. Even if under the extreme circumstance that the United States does default, it would only be a technical default. Those bondholders would be eventually paid plus additional interest. But I don't think that's going to happen. Now, Joe Biden has been playing this like a political hack. He's been out saying, oh, I fully expect everything. Things are going great. But he knows things aren't going to go great. But he's just trying to groom the American people to think that, oh, it's Biden says things are great. And then when things aren't great, he can try to blame the Republicans. But McCarthy made a good political move too to counter that. He came out with the same thing. He came out this week and said that, oh yeah, we're, we're very optimistic. So he's playing the same game that Biden is. So on his side, he's grooming the American people for... Yeah. If it doesn't happen, it's the Dem Democrats' fault. But the Democrats don't realize is that they don't have this position on their side. They don't have public sentiment with him. I think there's a lot of polls out there that said people are saying our debt is too high. We've got to cut back on spending. And you got the mainstream media and the Democrats out there saying, well, this is for money we already spent. Well, so what? You got to stop it at some time. And if you want to pay your current bills, and you don't have the money coming in, you got to cut. That's basic economics 101. That's basic finance 101. But the politicians don't want to play that game. They just want to create fear. And you look at the stock market. Stock market's been up since this whole thing became an issue. It was down today because word got out that the Republicans walked away from the negotiating table. It wasn't that much. Maybe a third of a percent. So stay tuned on this. Don't get scared. Don't believe the the junk that you see on TV. Oh, and before I forget, the Freedom Caucus came out a couple days ago, and they said that we should walk away from 
negotiations until the Senate adopts the Republican House's bill to increase the debt ceiling. So it's all posturing right now. And, you know, quite frankly, the Republicans have the leverage here. I seriously doubt that Biden politically going into a presidential re-election is going to allow this debt ceiling to not be passed. Because, look, there could be economic hardships. I don't think they're going to be as bad as people think. You may see the stock market off significantly, but the stock market doesn't reflect Main Street anymore. There's been a break maybe 15 years ago between the stock market and our underlying economy. So we'll see what happens. I think the Republicans have the leverage. Don't believe the stuff you see on TV. Now, there's a couple items I wanted to talk about. And you may have heard about some people saying, well, Biden can invoke the 14th Amendment. And essentially what the 14th Amendment says is that the U.S. debt will not be infringed upon. But the president does not have the authority to make that decision. Because don't forget, spending is done through the House and through Congress, not the president's office. And if he tries it, you want to see a constitutional crisis? You're going to get one because he can't do it. And if he does, sure the Republicans will sue. You'll see chaos everywhere. But this administration is capable of doing anything. Like I said, they're not bright people. But even with these dumb people that we have in office today in the White House, I don't think they're capable of trying this stunt. Now, the other stunt they could do is you hear people talk about, well, they can just print a multi-trillion dollar coin. And technically they could, but the repercussions of doing something like that are terrible. You're going to just see inflation just skyrocket for years to come. If all a federal government has to do is just print coins to fund their deficit, fund their debt, we're going to turn into Venezuela. So we shall see. It's going to be interesting. All right, one last topic I want to cover before I go for the week. And uh, Ron DeSantis is... uh, apparently going to announce his candidacy for president next week. Now, I've heard this before, so I'm taking this with a grain of salt. And my only advice to DeSantis is uh, don't run. Just don't run. You don't have history on your side. You're in the way of the biggest force in American politics since I can't remember. And with that said, let's go to a couple of polls here. Put reality in perspective here. And let's go to real clear politics. and. This is uh, the latest May 19th, today's polls that were released. And this is a Harvard-Harris poll, not a conservative pollster. And it says 2024 Republican presidential nomination. Trump 58, DeSantis 16, Pence 4, Haley 4, Ramaswamy 4. So we have Trump plus 42 over DeSantis. General election. Trump versus Biden. Trump plus seven. Again, this is a Democratic pollster, not a conservative pollster. General election. Trump versus Harris. Trump plus 11. General election. DeSantis versus Harris. Tie. General election. DeSantis versus Biden. Tie. So these same pollsters that have Trump up by seven points over Biden have DeSantis and Biden tied and have DeSantis and Harris tied, whereas they have Trump over Harris by 11 points. So this is in spite of all 
the bombs that are thrown Trump's way. This includes Trump's liability case in New York City. The American people see what's going on here. And all I can say to DeSantis, do not get in the way of this. You will hurt your chances for 2028. People are sticking with Trump. People see what's happening to Trump. He's growing in the polls after all of these court cases were decided against him. And they know he will get stronger with the pending court cases against him. There's one in Atlanta, and you have the Mar-a-Lago pending case. And even if he loses both of those cases, he'll go up in the polls. Because the people realize what's happening to Donald Trump. And if they can do it to him, they can do it to you. And don't get in the way of that, Ron DeSantis, because you'll lose. And with that said, you have a good week, and I will talk to you next Saturday. Thanks for listening.